Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And now, are you effing kidding me with JoJo from Jersey? Hey, it's me, JoJo from Jersey. And shocker, I still have to say. Today is the March for Our Life rally in D.C., which is wildly ironic if you think about it, because Republicans don't give a damn about life. They want control. That's all they want, control over our bodies. They want to decide when we can have birth or not have birth, live or die. And speaking about the word life, Republicans are trying to find a new term for pro-life because it's hurting them, electorally. But here's the thing. They've never been pro-life. Forcing a 10-year-old to carry her rapist fetus to term isn't pro-life. Threatening to imprison a woman for having an abortion isn't pro-life. Forcing seniors to pay more for their prescriptions, denying gender-affirming care, lying about masks and vaccine safety, cutting health care access for our veterans, rolling back child labor laws, denying starving children free meals at school, making guns easier to get, and offering thoughts and prayers only in the wake of yet another mass shooting isn't pro-life. It doesn't matter how they brand themselves. It's not about a word. It's about their actions, about their platforms and policies. They care about forcing birth, restricting rights, and limiting personal freedom. They care, like I said, about control. And that is anything but pro-life. But since we're still calling them pro-life, Pro-life Republicans are okay with a woman dying from sepsis in her car in a hospital parking lot before they'll let her have an abortion. Back the blue Republicans are okay with our Capitol Police being beaten, bear sprayed, and tased. Support the troops Republicans are okay letting a single senator imperil our national security because he was real upset by the idea of women having the right to bodily autonomy. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And this is all they keep showing us. Like I said, they'll let a woman die before letting her have an abortion. They'll teach third graders how to tourniquet before banning AR-15s. And they'll let 8 million kids go hungry instead of giving them free food. But today, they're marching to show the world just how pro-life they are. I am so excited for my guest this week because I got to talk to the one and only Tom Colicchio. I'm sure you know him as host of Top Chef, but he's also obviously a world-famous chef and restaurateur. More than that, he's an activist, an advocate, and, and a personal inspiration. He is the chef and owner of Crafted Hospitality, which includes New York's Craft and Temple Court, Craft Los Angeles, Las Vegas Heritage Steak and Craft Steak, and Small Batch in Garden City, New York. He's a vocal and outspoken social justice advocate. 
He executive produced the 2013 documentary, A Place at the Table, about the underlying causes of hunger in the U.S. This eye-opening experience led Tom on a journey to Washington, D.C., where he's been a mainstay in our nation's capital in the years since. From holding members of Congress accountable on their voting records around food to working with former First Lady Michelle Obama on the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, Tom has established himself as the leading citizen chef advocating for a food system that values access, affordability, and nutrition over corporate interests. We talked at great length about this, about the idea of hunger. Yes, I would love to talk to Tom Colicchio about food all day long, every day of the week, and twice on Sunday. But the reality is we live in a world right now where there are upwards of 13 million children who face food insecurity right this moment. One in every five kids in this country is unsure where their next meal is going to come from. And when you know those numbers and then you hear that 15 Republican-led states have said, no thanks, to food assistance from the federal government so that those kids can get free lunches in the summer months when they're not in school, blows your mind and you have to talk about it because they have to have their feet held to the fire over this. Those 15 Republican governors are leaving 8 million children hungry when they don't have to, when the administrative costs of implementing this policy would be nothing. But they're still going to let them go hungry. And Tom and I talk about why we think that is. I have lots of reasons that, you know, the way I think. Um, I do think that there's a more like specific plan. I don't think it's just that they're evil and heartless and cruel, although yeah, they are those things and it's entirely possible that it's just those things. But I still see all of this as part of a, a bigger strategy and not a good one. So Tom and I have this conversation and we talk about food too. Don't get me wrong. Of course, we talked about food. But this one is really important to me. It's a very, very, very important, clearly to Tom and um, I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to have it with him and to uh, share it with all of you. So with that said, enjoy. Welcome to the Are You Acting Kidding Me podcast, Tom Calicchio. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm trying not to fangirl because um, I'm a long, longtime fan of yours. So if I don't have like the um, super cool setting up front, I'm going to, I'm certainly, I'm going to mellow into it. I promise. <laughs> just fine. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a, a fan of your, your, uh, social media feeds. Your, your, and I've been a follower for a while. Wow. <laughs> that is, that is definitely flattering. And you're, I, you're pretty active on there, which I think is incredible. Um, I'm obviously Jersey girl and you are also very proud to be from New Jersey, right? I am. Yeah. So well, you're from you're probably from a better place than I was in New Jersey. I don't know. I'm from originally Morris County from Whippany. And then my dad remarried and moved us to what I consider like Mars, which is Sussex County. Oh, sure. That is Morris. Yeah. Where is yeah. Sussex? Uh, I grew up in Lafayette. Okay. I used to see a lot of time up there uh, oh, fishing really? Oak State Forest. Oh, yeah. Stokes is beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. yeah, it's the, just a totally different part of New Jersey from where you're from when you're from Elizabeth, right? Right, yeah, I'm from Elizabeth. Yeah, we're from Union County. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. A friend of mine grew up in Elizabeth, so I asked him for some Elizabeth like things to ask you. <laughs> he asked the number one thing he asked me, did you know that Santillo's caught fire? Of course I do. They're, so Santillo's, they were friends um, growing up. My first serious girlfriend lived next door to the pizzeria. So we used to spend time there. And uh, one of the one of the Santillo's was maybe I think a year older than I was and um, had a tragic tragic accident. He, he jumped into a pool and, and became a you know, broke his neck and he was a quadriplegian. He died a little while ago. So yeah, I know the family pretty well. Um, in fact, my father's sister, so my aunt Teresa, um, married a Santillo. Oh, I know them. I know them pretty well. Yeah, it's really, really horrible. Yeah, but it's... he'll build, build back. He'll build back. Yeah, and it's it was a great. I mean, it's, it was always like you know, growing up, we would get pizza there, and they would do Sicilian pizza. So it was mm. like this. So, and it was fantastic, and loved it. But you know, that was our pizza. We didn't know any. You know, it was if it was good, or it was bad. That was our pizza. Right. And see what what has become of that. Um, it, it's like a serious, you know, contender for one of the best you know pizzerias in in the country. Yeah, you see that a lot. And I think that's incredible because I'm also very partial to New Jersey pizza. But if you gave yeah. me an Asbury Park boardwalk, like tomato pie from the pinball place, I would probably be happy, though. I think that's one of the more delicious bites of food in the state. Yeah. But I do. So is it pork roll or Taylor ham? Well, I'm it, <laughs> sorry. What's pork roll? I don't know what that is. It's it's Taylor ham. It, this is Taylor ham. Yes, of course. It's Taylor yeah. ham. I don't, I don't, pork roll. Who call, it's like the divide, right? Everybody's like it's yes. north versus south. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's Taylor Ham. Growing up, it was always Taylor Ham. Taylor Ham, and I, and to this day, whenever I hear someone say pork roll, I'm like, "Where are you from?" And then they're like, "Well, the brand name, the brand name is Taylor Ham. It's no what it, what it is. It's pork roll." And I was like, "Yeah, do you ask for an adhesive bandage when you need a band aid, or do you ask for a band aid?" <laughs> right, right, it's for band aid, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he also said uh, Spiritos Giant Ravioli, Tommy's Hot Dog, and some old school market where you can pick your own poultry while it's still alive. Okay, the old school market I worked in. Okay, he did. <laughs> my uncle, well, the, the the guy who ended up marrying one of my aunts, um, he had a stand there. So when I was eight, nine, ten, somewhere there, I would go there Saturday mornings and work and sell vegetables in the in the market. Yeah, mm. so I, I know that Spiros. Um, so um, I knew the Spiro family because I lived in the home that they owned. Mm. Um, so I grew up in a in, in a, in a uh, property they owned. But so my father used to take us to Spiritos on Friday, especially in the summer. He used to play softball at O'Brien Field. O'Brien Field was right down the street from Spiritos. So my mother would get that night off from cooking and we would go in. Now there were two parts of Spiritos. We would go to the bar and that's all I knew when I was a kid. And there was booths and there was a bar. And we would either get, we only, sometimes we got pizza, but mostly it was the ravioli, a square ravioli. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd get veal cutlet and ravioli. Not veal, not veal cutlet parmesan. Just fried veal cutlet, ravioli with sauce on it, and it was. Uh, I was in high school. I think I was a freshman. And it was after a basketball game. Everybody's like, "We're going to Spiros." So it's like, "Okay." So we're going to Spiros, and they're walking in the side door. I'm like, "Where are you guys going?" <laughs> like, no, Spiros is around the corner. Like, where are you going? I had no idea there was a full dining room back there. Oh my god! Separate dining room. I only I only ate at the bar, and uh, unfortunately, that that closed about three years ago. And. Um, yeah, there was a group trying to trying to buy it, and they wanted to know if I'd run it, and I was like, "No, it's okay." <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. It was it a casualty of COVID or? No, no. You know, the, the, the place was about a hundred years old. It was run by three brothers, and they all had passed away. And I think one of the relatives was running it, and kind of, you know. Also, it was a tough spot. You know, the neighborhood changed quite a bit. It was in a, in it was in, in Peterstown, which was an Italian neighborhood, and it changed a lot over the years. 
But the bigger problem was you couldn't, it was in a neighborhood, you couldn't park anywhere. Mm-hmm. You'd have to, you know, you drive around for half an hour trying to find a place to park. Yeah. 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 My mom's favorite Italian restaurant, she grew up in Red Bank, was in like an, in a neighborhood too. And you really, you couldn't, it was like you'd drive around for hours just to find a place yeah. to park. I was like, really? Do we have to go here? There's plenty of places downtown. She's like, no, this is the place you have to go. But my, yeah. my, my brother just moved down to that. Neck. He's in uh, Brielle. Oh. I was near Red Bank and all these restaurants he's going to now that he claims are the greatest things in the world. But yeah, give me the clam hut from the days gone by, the old clam hut, not the new clam hut where it's not even like clams, it's like some fancy Italian. Give me a bucket of clams right. with broth on the side, some well, coleslaw, some biscuits. Yeah. I'm happy, but yeah. that doesn't exist. Yet. They've ruined no, whatever, whatever. It, that was the great thing. But uh, you, you mentioned your dad bringing you to that bar, the bar side. And one of the things I've heard you talk about is your dad's garden and growing up. Oh, grandfather. Your grandfather's garden. Okay, so that was your grandfather's garden. Was that also in Elizabeth or was it somewhere else? Yeah, so we didn't, you know, we lived on, there were two, four families. Um, my grandparents lived in the one and toward the back and we were up in the front, um, but there was no place to garden. So my grandfather, he built like a trellis and would garden in five-gallon buckets. Oh, so, Tomato plants in the buckets and zucchini plants and peppers, and they would all grow. Um, and so that's that's how he gardened. But I I, I garden. I, I have a much more elaborate garden. I, I have a house out in Long Island, so uh, we have a pretty good garden. There's about 20 raised beds. But I got that all from my grandfather. Um, and without even thinking of it, I just started gardening. We got a house out there, and I think it was about six years in. I wanted to start growing stuff, and there was a spot behind the house that was perfect. It got the sun all day long. And so I bit the bullet and... and I think I started off with about 13 or 14 beds. and um, But I didn't know where I got it. I didn't think where I got it from until um, uh, during the pandemic, um, I was doing a lot of these um, Zooms, um, cooking classes on Zoom. Right. And, um, you know, it was 20 minutes of cooking and 40 minutes of, you know, chit-chat. Yeah. And I can't, you know, everybody was always, they would always ask the question, you know, when did you start cooking? Why did you start cooking? And a couple of things I always go back to were things that I did with my grandfather. It was fish, because we would go fishing in Barnicket Bay, mostly crabbing and clamming. Mm-hmm. And we'd catch, you know, two bushels of crabs and a bushel of clams, and occasionally we'd catch fish, and we'd come home. And so I had two jobs. Um, one, and I was about seven, eight years old, I had to clean all the fish. So now I had a knife in my hand at seven or eight years old cleaning and stuff, and I'd clean it all up and then bring it up to my, my, my grandmother and my mother. Um, but that night, because it was so much food, this was a large dinner of uh, 20 people, a big extent of friends and extended family. And so at a very young age, I think it, what really attracted me to food, I, I just kind of figured this out by telling these stories that I think it was this whole idea that food brings people around a table. And that's what really attracted me to it. Not so much the food itself, but what the food does. And, you know, it would always start out, and they would start off with, you know, conversations about the fish and the fish that got away and how big it was. Uh, and then it would, you know, usually usually sports, um, family gossip, um, politics. We were all on the same page. So it wasn't a whole lot of uh, of uh, discussions. And, and my family, they weren't involved in politics. My, my dad was, uh, uh, he was president of his union, and he was an organizer. And... Uh, so, but, but there was, you know, but I, I, I saw that this, you know, people come around for food. And so I think that's what attracted me to it. Um, and then gardening, you know, it didn't come, it just didn't come out of the blue. Um, and then I also think back my grandparents on my father's side. Now my grandfather on my father's side died in 1966. So I was, I think I was four. And, um, but they had a pretty large garden. Mm. 
my great grandmother and would tend. Um, and um, but we didn't we didn't see them as, as often. But again, I go back to the, you know back in my mind, and I did have examples of people gardening. So I, I, that has to be why I I was attracted to it. Yeah, because I thought one day I should have a green thumb. Right. Uh, but it's, I'm I'm pretty passionate about it. I I I love my garden. I love getting up early in the morning and hanging out there with a cup of coffee and you know take my time and get my hands dirty. It's fun. There's nothing quite like it. Like I, my kids make fun of me all the time because I I just have a raised bed on my deck. Like I don't have a real garden yet. Knock on wood someday. But like I last summer I grew tomatoes in this raised bed. It's like called a bed shrug, whatever. But <laughs> I would treat them like like they were my babies. It was right. really weird. I get up in the morning and I go out and talk to them. Like, what's wrong with you? Well, it, it's great when you're out there, especially if you can get out there. I, I these days I try to take most of the summer off, so I'm out there every day. And like one day you can poke around and you know nothing's really happening yet. And all of a sudden you look and there's this, there's the first zucchini of the year. And yeah. then you come back the following day and it's ginormous. It just grow overnight. <laughs> right. Um, but it's 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 something I just you know. And, and there's studies done that if you spend more time in the dirt, that it's just good for your mental health. And uh, it works for me. When I'm out there, I'm, you know, between fishing and gardening and cooking for friends, I'm in a pretty good state of mind. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I, I think that's incredible, too. And I, I, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about pollinators and trying to be like a better, yeah. you know, uh, contributor to their environments. I planted sunflowers for the first time, yeah. stuff like that. You know, I was, I think... <laughs> I think the whole thing is it's cathartic, it's therapeutic, but it's also giving back. You know, there's a, the, the full cycle there, the full circle. Yep. Yeah. And and you have an obvious appreciation for food and where food comes from right. and what it requires. And not everybody this day and age does at all. Uh, listen, my, 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 one of my favorite things is to put a meal on the table with you know, a bunch of friends where I grew all the produce, yeah. I caught the fish, and the wine came from the, the vineyard down the street. That's like a good, that's a good day. That's right. Good day. Talk about local. <laughs> I feel like a real hunter gatherer. It's like, you know, it's, it's back brain. <laughs> it's like what but I'm it, supposed to do. But it, <laughs> but it is. It's so basic and intrinsic to just human beings that it makes sense that it would feel that way. And, and I love your, you're talking about how food really does, the thing that attracted you to it is that was, it brings everybody together around the table. And mm -hmm. not to get to the political conversation, because I talk about politics, you might know this from time to time, and we'll get to that. Um, but I think that that's something that's missing very much from society right now is that sense that like that uh, you can break bread around the table and come together and no differences aside. Yeah, you, you're well, that that's part of it. But you're hitting on something else that I think is really important. So, I mean, I, I've been involved in politics. I actually I used to um, uh, pre-Trump. I used to spend a lot of time on Capitol Hill, at least mm -hmm. once a month. I was on Hill. Um, I co-founded an organization called Food Policy Action. And what we did is we we created a scorecard. We graded Congress and I voted around food issues, but also around farming, water, um, and hunger being one of the major things that we we focus on. Um, that came from my my wife's a filmmaker, and she um, was mentoring a young girl um, who uh, family was living in the shelter at, at the time in Brooklyn, and um, it was clear to us whenever she came to her house that she was hungry, and we would you know always cook you know meals and send food home for her family. And um, she also had some learning disabilities, and so we got her into a, um, a school in New York. If, if the city schools can't meet the needs of the kids, you can get them to a private school. And these aren't fancy private schools, it's just private schools that are outside of the public school system. And um, we got a call the first week saying it's clear that this girl's hungry. She's asking for food. Um, because it wasn't part of the public, the public school system, it didn't have a breakfast and lunch program. Right. And so 
she, my wife, um, prior to this, she didn't do documentaries, but she decided to look into hunger in America. What's the cause of hunger in America? And after you know the research that she's when she started doing the research, uh, it was pretty obvious that um, uh, people here aren't hungry because of war, or famine, or drought. It's because we don't have the political will to make sure people are fed. That we want to shrink all these programs that and that that help people, and that put us squarely you know in the middle of, of policy and politics. And so from there we started started food policy action. So I would go up on the hill, especially when the farm bill was being debated, um, when school lunch was being debated because it's outside of the farm bill, and uh, would you know have several meetings, and then um, Shelly Pingree, who's a congressman from Maine, we would all, always end up back at her house. Mm-hmm. And she had a great townhouse and a bunch of members would come out, usually like 60, 60 members and from both sides of the aisle, actually, so, you know, which is interesting because outside the cameras, they actually do spend time together. Yeah. Especially the um, senators. Yeah. 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 Well, when the senator came, that was a big deal. Because mm-hmm. it was mostly uh, the House members. And when a senator showed up, it was like, ooh, sen- <laughs> wow. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But, um, you know, I, so I spent, I spent a good amount of time. Um, and most of my meetings were with uh, Republicans. Um, because Democrats were, you know, happy to expand SNAP, um, you know, food stamps and, and yeah. school like that. Uh, Republicans, you had to talk them into it. So I had, to, I had to come up with, a you know, a different set of languages and, and figure out a different way to appeal to Republicans. And usually I, I get it not in terms of, you know, and I would always say, listen, okay, you can call me a bleeding heart liberal and that's why I want to feed people. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about, um, you know, uh, preparedness in our, for our armed service. Mm-hmm. 25% of the recruits who, who join the service wash out because they're obese, mm-hmm. which is actually part and parcel of bad nutrition, which is part and parcel of hunger too. Mm-hmm. And so and so let's talk about that. Let's talk about it, how, you know, kids are showing up to school hungry so they can't learn. And if you want to break that cycle of poverty, right, education is the way to do that. And you're sending these kids to school and they're hungry. So let's, let's fix some of these problems. You know, you talk about... Um, uh, just the fact that if we want to compete, everyone has to contribute. And so, if if you know, especially that first thousand days, the nutrition is so important in, in a kid's life. And so, you find you find different ways to to appeal to to people. And yeah. you know, often it worked. Yeah. I mean, you've been Not always. <laughs> yeah, you've been ringing the alarm on this, as you said, for a really long time, and and it's extremely relevant now. All that work that you did, all the advocacy, but now we're looking at 15 Republican-led states that have refused to accept um, the summer 
food assistance program yeah. that's been rolled out by the Biden administration. I mean, there's that's leaving eight million kids in this country without food in the summer. It's just crazy. I mean, it's not costing them anything. There's some administrative costs that they have to incur. Yeah, um, that's it. But why would you do this? I mean, are you are are you that cruel? Like, why would you do this? And, and this is where this is where you have to hope that this food movement that people talked about, um, you know, it's really a social movement. It's not as much. It's not a. It has to become a political movement, and that that was our goal with food policy action. And in fact, um, we we got involved in one campaign. We didn't have a, a lot of money. We were always fighting to raise money, but we didn't have a ton of money. But we got involved in one campaign. This is going back. Uh, I think it was the midterms in 18 where Democrats just got crushed. Uh, but we won, we got involved in one race, Stephen Sutherland, Florida, and he was up against Gwen Graham. Now, Gwen Graham had a great name. Her father was a senator and I think governor at one point of Florida. So she had name recognition. But we, we spent some money, uh, especially on college campuses, and she won. Gwen, Gwen won. And, and, um, you know, I gave a, 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 a um, a TED talk, um, and this you know, pretty much said that this becomes a this becomes a movement, a political movement, when someone loses their job for a vote, and he lost the job for the way he voted, and so that's you know, our our goal was always to try to more change the language around hunger, mm-hmm. um, uh, let people know that it's a problem that we could solve because we almost we almost pretty much eradicated hunger back in the seventies. Um, and then when Reagan became president, he, everything was changed. And it was about cutting government, and we saw hunger spike. Um, so we solved the problem once before. Why is it important that we solve the problem? Um, but then also make sure that if someone voted against, like if someone's cutting school lunch in the summer, that they pay a political price for that. Mm-hmm. And you know, get it to the point where maybe it's not going to be a single issue that people vote on, like guns or like uh, access to to, to you know, abortion rights. Um, those are single subjects that people will come out and vote for. And we were trying to make hunger that. And it, maybe it wasn't a single subject, but you know, hopefully it could be the third on the list. But you know, someone's got to pay a price for this. Um And it's it's it's, it's more universal than, than most things are. I mean, it's really not a partisan issue. We're talking about feeding people. We're talking about especially when it comes to children, but like some of the states, some of the fifteen states that have refused this assistance have the highest rates of hunger and not 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 coincidentally, right? But also the highest rates of both obesity and diabetes, and, exactly. and right, it's all connected, like you said. Well, it's all connected because what's what's in this country, um, nutrition's expensive, but calories are cheap, right? Right. right. It's, it, you, know, you can buy you know garbage that has a lot of calories, so you feed yourself, but there's no nutrition, and it's a lot of fat, a lot of sugar, and that's why you see obesity and hunger in the same family often, um, and that's that's a, a bigger problem that, that we can, you know. It's hard. To, it's hard to, to figure out a way to shrink those those prices down. You know, get the prices of fruits and vegetables down. Pro, you know, probably because they're not really commodities like grain is. Yeah, it is, and so it's a little a little more complicated. But there are good programs out there. Um, so there's an organization called Wholesome Wave, and they um, uh, got written into policy uh, what's called the Double Bucks program. I think the Double Bucks program was started in Michigan, but then Wholesome Wave took it on. So what it is is um, if you're using SNAP in a farmer's market, right? Well, farmer's markets are expensive. Mm-hmm. If you're using SNAP, so say you spend $20 on fruits and vegetables, you can go to a kiosk with that receipt and they'll give you another coupon for $20 right. that you can spend in a farmer's market. So now you double up your purchasing power in farmer's market. 
So now it's great. Now there's an incentive for people to buy healthier food. Number two, all of that money goes to the farmer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to some large food company. And so all of that money now is spent in that community because the farmer's not going to put that money in the bank. They're going to spend it on you know, seeds and, 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 and labor and, and equipment. And yeah. so every dollar that is spent, it creates $1.75 of economic activity. And so this is a great program. It's a win-win for everybody. But this is also why it passed and became part of the permanent farm bill, because you had Republicans who were very happy for the farmers, who were typically conservative, to get keep that money. And at the same time, hungry people were, were got better nutrition. It so, seems, yeah, these are, there's are, there are fixes out there. I mean, of course, with, there's also that the subsidies of, the, you know, grain and corn and yeah, that, that, yeah. The subs, the, those change a little bit. They're they're no longer, um, you know, we pretty much got rid of direct payments where they're paying to grow stuff, mm-hmm. but it's changed now. It's 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 more of an insurance policy, but it's not insurance the way we know insurance. Um, uh, it's it's to guarantee a price, right? Um, so that's what's insured, and but the farmer doesn't pay the premiums, mm-hmm. government does, right? And and the insurance company doesn't pay for any claims. The government does. So the insurance company just sits in the middle and processes everything, but it's a government program. So I have my own theories about why these Republican governors are letting those kids starve. I have lots and lots of theories about it. But um, I worked Seriously. in a, well, I worked in a, I worked in a school for a long time, actually, and not too long ago, for seven years, I was a paraprofessional for autistic preschoolers, and one of my fun jobs was to go to lunch every day. And um, one of the things that I noticed first, really, it was shocking, actually, was how many kids didn't have lunch didn't have anything to eat. And mm-hmm. and it was just one of those things where a teacher or an aide would bring them something to eat. And then I, I was realizing just how pervasive hunger was, even in my own town. My kids didn't even know that their peers were sitting next to kids that were starving. And then when the, pan- the, when the pandemic hit and the, the food was going home with these kids, they're getting a breakfast for the next morning. They were getting lunch that day. And I was really, those are the only meals those kids are having. It, passing fast forward to now, and Republicans are doing this, where in these red states are refusing this this money, even though that the hungriest states and the poorest states in the country, and knowing what going to school hungry does to children and their ability to learn, and knowing the shame that's associated with parents not wanting to say their kid is hungry, it actually reduces their ability to learn. And there is this dumbing down of America, this is my theory, that Republicans find very advantageous. I don't know. That's one of my theories. But I don't what, what do you think? Why do you think they're doing it? They're doing it because they don't believe in government. They don't believe government has a role to do anything except defend the country, and to other than that, I don't know. They're, 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 you know, the problem is I think I think most Republicans will become libertarians these days. They really don't believe in government until yeah. they need. When you're, you know, when your house burns down, you know, you know, you know, you don't call a bucket brigade, you right. know, in the neighborhood anymore to put out the fire. There's a there's a fire department there, you know, and it, it's it's government funded and maybe it's local government, but it's still government. Now it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't know anymore. I think it's just become a game and they want to stay in power and the people who vote, and this is the problem. They know who's voting. Mm-hmm. The people who are voting are people who, you know, don't have that issue. Yeah. And, and they're very, they're very happy to make sure that that person has a hard time voting because they'll shut down polling places in those neighborhoods and they'll make it difficult for them to vote. And so, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I hope it's not because they want to dumb down America. I really do believe it. <laughs> already dumb enough. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, I just think they're cruel. I just don't think they care. Mm. They don't care. They really believe in this whole thing where pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Well, what if they don't have boots on? Mm-hmm. You know? You know. Right. It's just, it's just a bad way of thinking. And and they also really believe that this is a responsibility of churches and other organizations. Well, the SNAP program is an $80 billion program. There is no way that, and listen, I spent most of my professional career raising money for hunger organizations, doing events for Share Our Strength, for New York Food Bank, for City Harvest, um, for Meals on Wheels. Um, we would have to do a fundraiser. And some of these fundraisers raised, you know, Two, three million dollars a night. You would have to do this every single night. Right. And you have to do it in, in every community every single night. Mm-hmm. So this is no way to 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 you know take care of people. And then the myths too is this idea that people are on food stamps forever. No, the average person's on food stamps for about six, seven months. Right. If you are a single able bodied adult, you can receive food stamps, I think it's three or four months for any three years. That's it. So this nonsense you see on Fox News where someone buying lobster tails and steaks with food stamps is just ridiculous. It doesn't happen. On top of that, most people who receive food stamps are working. They're working two, three jobs to try to make make ends meet. So it's not a bunch of lazy people who are just collecting, you know, uh, they're on the dole. It's just, you know, if you want to keep minimum wage low, people get hungry. So you're essentially subsidizing minimum wage jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Because- the companies don't have to pay for a living wage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so how is that made up? So, yeah. which which way you have? If so, if you if you raise if you raise minimum wage, national minimum wage to you know thirteen fourteen dollars an hour, you'll have fewer people on food stamps. It's right. not simple it could, because they're working. I want to do that, and I'll bet a lot of them. Not only did they maybe have their own chance to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but then they pulled the ladder behind them. A lot of them probably benefited from the very same programs that they're trying to cut now. And then they're coming for WIC now is what they call food stamps, I think, is WIC now. And No, no, no. WIC, WIC is a different oh, program. Stamps. SNAP is food stamps. WIC SNAP is, is food stamps. for women, infants, and children. Right, okay. So it's for, for pregnant women and for children, uh, I think, under two. Uh, it's a separate supplemental program. Which they're also targeting, I believe. Of course they are, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, and they'll, they'll try to target school lunch too. Oh, a hundred percent. Not part of the of the of the of the, of the uh, farm bill, but it's a, it's a separate program. Um, right. They'll talk about it well. Um, and that's the thing is that how it is cruelty is is the point. But like if they've been there, I mean, I, I personally have experienced food insecurity. When the, at the beginning of COVID, I was going through a divorce, and I didn't have income in that summer, and those for whatever reason, my ex stopped paying support. So I had a summer with no income and no support. And my friends were literally dropping off food in my car so that my kids didn't know that we didn't have food. And anybody who's walked through that for even a minute has to know that that's horrible and that you can't do that to your fellow man. Like it's, they pretend to be Christians, right? They pretend to be life. And yet that they'll do this to people. Yeah. You know, what I was hoping is, so we all saw the news reports of you know, in Texas or Alabama, where we saw the long lines, so these long lines of people who were lined up to get food. Mm-hmm. People, a lot of people were out of work. A lot of people were in your situation. And, um, but you saw these cars and these lines, and these were Mercedes and BMWs. Mm-hmm. And these people at one point were solidly middle class. And now, n- not for anything they did, not because they were lazy, right. they found themselves where they couldn't afford food. And so I was hoping that there would be a deeper sense of empathy for someone who's, who's going through that and struggling. And it seemed to last for a short time, and now it's bringing it back to where it was. Yeah. 
now where the, there's governors of states like targeting targeting school lunches and making it a campaign issue where they're not going one to those, one of those one of those governors governors running for president. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But the back to the you said too before about them accepting the fire the 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 fire trucks help or the fire department's help that that governor will accept FEMA's help when they have you know a natural disaster. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I would say you know, oh well, we don't want we don't want FEMA money. No, it's government money. We don't want. Mm-hmm. But that and 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 not taking you know accepting Medicaid. These hospitals and rural areas are closing because they they can't they can't stay open because they just don't want them. You know, that's deny you know expanding Medicaid. Uh, it's just it's just crazy, yeah. and you would hope that enough people would just vote these people out, and that's what you have to hope that there's a process for this, and if if you're if you're that cruel, you need to get punished. I think sometimes, I think what we're looking at now is that that is really people voting against their own self interest, but there's also that element where with all the gerrymandering and stuff, it's really hard to break yeah. these. Cycles. It's really hard, but it's not impossible, um, right? As we've seen in places like Wisconsin. But it is really, it is really hard. But it is up to the people ultimately to take the power back. Wisconsin that took a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. I mean, I was I'm part of a, a private Twitter group that uh, focused a lot on Wisconsin. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's near and dear to my heart too. Incredibly. Yeah, there's there's there was a lot of work um, that was put into that, and. I would argue that that's the best run Democratic Party in the country is Wisdoms. I would definitely yep. argue that. Yeah. They yeah. make things happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. We need yeah. more like that. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. But um, I want to just maybe touch on restaurants for one second, because maybe if some of these Republicans had ever waited tables for one hot second... Maybe they'd be better human beings. I don't know. You, you agree. I think I've heard you say, I know I will die on this hill. Everyone should wait tables once in their life. Everyone. You have to do it. Yeah. You, I will die on that hill. 1,000%. Yeah. Oh, so why we're hungry. One other thing I, I wanted to bring up. One thing that I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not spending as much time, um, you know, on the hill, and but, um, you know, I'll, I will get involved with this, uh, obviously, the election, but, but the, the farm bill. Um, but, um one of one of the rules around SNAP that I just I just find infuriating is um right now we have just a tremendous amount of hunger on college campuses, especially for first generation college uh, people who are in college, um where they can't they can't afford a meal plan. Mm-hmm. They you know, we have their scholarship, they get into school, they they pay some money and they can't afford a meal plan. There's there are food pantries on every college campus nowadays. In order to receive SNAP, if you're a college student, so one of the requirements is that you work 20 hours a week. How insane is that? Where, where, how are you going to go to college? <laughs> right. You just put to work 20 hours a week just to receive food stamps to go to college, which is just, it's just crazy, crazy. But that's, so that's one thing we're trying to, we're trying to overturn. That's it's, great. It's, yeah. And again, if you want, you know, more people going to college, especially your first generation, your first person in your family, you go to college. You want to make it easier, not harder. And it, a lot of people have to drop out because they don't have housing and they don't have food. Right. And it's just, it's feeding, it's feeding itself in this and never ending cycle. Well, that's that segment of the population will never have an opportunity to move out of that, their, their lot in life because that's how the system is set up. Yeah. Right. 
I appreciate that you're targeting that. I didn't even know that. I did know, or at least I have a sense of an idea of what happened with, there was one compromise with SNAP made the last time we didn't shut the government down with McCarthy, the thing that got McCarthy vacated. I feel like they did change some requirements for age or something like that related to, maybe they lowered the age I forget what it was. The big thing that happened during the pandemic is is so there's something called a food plan. And the food plan is used to calculate how many calories a soldier needs, okay. um, how much um, uh, support uh, someone who's divorced gets. There's a calc, there's a, it's called the food plan, again, how, depending on how many children you have, how much money and alimony needs to be allocated towards food or, or how much it's, it's calculated into the overall alimony. Also used to calculate, um, uh, how much you receive um, in, in benefits for for assistance, depending on your income. Right. That was changed. So it went from uh, the thrifty plan to the low plan. Um, so so it, it, they put more dollars in in people's pockets. That was the big change that happened to to the SNAP program in the last you know four or five years. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a little technical. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we how do we get this change in terms of the college requirement? How do we again? Who well, will... this is going to sound trite. And you know, when we were doing the film, um, the, the Congressman McGovern, who is the best when it comes to hunger issues, um, he's from from the Worcester area in Massachusetts. Um, he was the uh, uh, head up the rules committee when when Democrats were were. Uh, I had a majority in the house, and it's just a great guy. Um, he would tell us that if he got six phone calls about something, he would barely pay attention to it. And so this is something where all your member mm. and talk, oh, say this is important to me. Um, and even if it's a Democrat and you think they're all honest, they may not know about this. But if if, if you call and say I'm really concerned that you know. One of the SNAP requirements is for a college student has to work 20 hours before they can re- receive a SNAP. They may not even know that. Yeah. Right? Um, you tell them it's important to you and you'd like to see it changed. It, it, it helps. It really does. When they hear from constituents, they listen. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, um, our, our uh, ex-member of Congress who was out in Long Island, <laughs> who was terrible on, on most things, um, uh, I called him up. So we, we, we got very involved in um, GMO. And for me, it was labeling. I just wanted it labeled. 
and not with a skull and crossbones, just uh-huh. something on the back that says, you know, if it was a, uh, you know, corn that it just said made from GMO corn, mm-hmm. right? That was all I cared about. There were other people who wanted to get rid of it, whatever, but that that was my issue. My issue. And so the day of the vote, I called Congressman Zeldin and said, public constituent, um, there's a vote today. Um, this is what I think. This is what I'd like you to do. And I also said, you have a lot of corn growers in your district out in, in, in Long Island, especially on North Fork. They don't grow GMO corn. Because uh, GMO corn is really uh, hard corn to feed cattle. Yeah. Very different. And so they don't benefit from this. Law, so it's not going to hurt them at all. And he voted that way. He was mm-hmm. that did. So they they do. And, and he didn't know who I was. He wasn't like I was some celebrity calling him. He had no idea. Yeah. And it was very funny because I, I, I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm going to be in, uh, on the hill. I'd love to meet you. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I think he had a sense that of who I was. And uh, so he said, well, no, don't meet in my office. I want to meet on the stairs because he wanted a photo op. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's fine. So I met him. And, uh, and, and then I had another ask for him. There was a fisheries vote that I wanted to vote on, but I don't think he voted that way. I wanted him to vote on that one. Um, but they, you know, there's a lot of horse trading. Um, so Don Young, who was a congressman from Alaska, they're all, they're only one congressman that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this Don was, he was a real character. He, I think he passed away a little while ago. Um, you go into his office and he was a hunter, like a big game hunter. And there were heads of animals all over his office. Mm-hmm. All, all, oh, I would And you walk in and he was like, wanted to try to intimidate you. But I mm-hmm. walked in from one of the meetings to talk about SNAP. And I made my argument, and he was like, I don't know how I'm going to vote on this, but you know, it's a good argument. It was nice meeting with you, whatever. So about a month later, I got a call from him. And so I got a, I need a favor from you. So what? So I got a great idea. It's going to help. You know, you care about hunger. This is going to help. I'm like, okay. He said, I'm trying to pass a bill where hunters, if they kill an animal and they, 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 they butcher it and they bring the meat to a food bank, that they get a tax break for that. That's hmm. a... Yeah, it's all about your tax breaks, huh? He goes, right. and I was like, okay. I said, this is Congressman Young. You know this is not going to make a dent in hunger at all. You realize that. And he's like, well, I, it's not. I said, I'll, I'll, help, I'll support you here. I said, oh, it's coming. And, and I, I, he, he, I think he ended up voting the right way. Um, no, but you know, this is how stuff happens. You know? um, yeah. But uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't spend this. I mean, once the pandemic hit, I stopped going and- and and food policy action, we we uh, we're no longer it's no longer around. But I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, how we can get back up there. I think that's great. I enjoy doing it. It's mm. important. It's incredibly important. And yeah. you're an, a powerful advocate for something that I think a lot of Americans who aren't experiencing it don't think about every day. But when it's in front of them, and this is increasingly becoming in front of them, and we're facing a threat in this election where this will be even more so in front of them where, you know, we'll have those in power who don't care at all about feeding anybody, yeah. let alone kids. You know, unfortunately this election, something like hunger is, is it's like, it's just not going to break through because we're looking at whether or not we're going to be a democracy. Anymore, so. I agree with you. But at the same time, I would say that where I think we have the most room is on these issues where we, we don't have the most divergence. I actually think like, on on repro and on this issue because I think it's it's getting a lot more traction recently and I think people are starting to pay closer attention to the state levels for sure. It's yeah. not just the top of the ticket, but I mean, yeah. I'm an optimist. 
I am too. I I listen. I follow this stuff pretty closely. I know you do as well. And when you have about 150,000 people come out and vote in Iowa, the, the population of 3 million, yeah. right? 150,000 came out to vote. So it's great. To, half, of the, half of them voted for me. 50,000 people voted for you. Yeah. You're going to pull that out of victory? Give me a break. It was like 0.00187%. It's like there's no excitement. And and quite frankly, I think that his base, I have an argument with my wife all the time. His base, who cares about his base? Yep. You got to care about independent voters. That swings the election. The swing voters, independent voters, that's it. There's also a lot of Republicans that are never Trumpers. Yeah. They're registered Republicans. They won't vote for him. Um, it's either they're not going to vote or they'll vote for Biden. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I, I'm just amazed that I think Biden's doing a great job. Me too. I do, is he old? Yeah, he's old. So, yeah. Okay. He's, he does, he's, he's making a lot of right moves. Yeah. I mean, every single president's going to have some some you know, rough patches, but I think overall in balance, he's done a great job. Um you know, I mean, you can tout unemployment. You can mm-hmm. tout that looks like we're, uh, you know, going to head for a soft landing. Now, mm-hmm. again, that was, that was not him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an independent, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, running out of words. Um, but, you know, it's, it's. I think overall he's done a good job. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he's he's in a really tough place with. Um, uh, Gaza. I was going to say Israel. Um, yeah, really tough place there because I think that, you know, I, I believe that uh, Israel has a right to defend itself, but maybe they've gone a little too far. And, uh, but that's all political. That's because that's Netanyahu. Right. There's no credit to, to us on the left. Nope. Uh, uh, you know, he, the only way he's going to stay in power is keep this war going. And I think Biden knows that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you yeah, know, we'd love to see him go. His uh, approval rating is horrific. I mean, I mean, there yeah. were millions of people marching in the streets of Tel Aviv to yeah. get rid of him prior to this, prior to the, the, the uh, you know, Hamas killing. Uh, uh-huh. Killing. Yeah. Rape. Yeah. Um, it's That's it's one of the proposition to be in, yeah. you know, and and then the war seems to be expanding because these Houthi rebels decide that they just want to get you know the Even only Iran they relevant is to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough position to be in. But, and, uh, yeah. But you think Trump would do anything different? Well. He'd be more in bed with Netanyahu. Exactly. Well, he and Netanyahu but are very much cut from the same cloth. I mean, they're yeah. both wannabe dictators. Netanyahu is probably even arguably, I can't argue that, but maybe worse. But, yeah, he said today, the EP story broke that he said today he doesn't want a two-state solution. He doesn't believe that Palestine has a right to exist, which he already did. But he has to say that because the only way he has a coalition is is, is to create a far right coalition. Yeah, and these far right people, you know, is they're they're messianic, you know, little crazy people, and yeah. and they don't believe in a two state solution. Um, and uh, but most of Israel does. Mm-hmm. I'll be secure. Listen, I guarantee you tomorrow, if someone said Palestine keeps everything in the West Bank, Gaza. It's yours. It's it's a two state solution. Just stop attacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, be over an heartbeat. I I agree, and I also I'm Arab, and like I also um, implore <laughs> my fellow Arabs out there 
not to make some false equivalency between a Biden administration and a Trump administration, because now what they're saying is they'll sit out voting, period, which, of course, is a vote for Trump or what's going to be Trump. Because yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I guess your I guess your relatives from overseas are not going to be able to come here anymore because they're going to ban you again. He already right? said he he's he says he'll worse than that he'll deport yes. you and right. and, no, and I, then I, I, yeah. surveil your mosques if they're allowed to be open at all. Nope. While know. telling MAGA to shoot you, <laughs> yeah. handing them an AR-15 and then saying, you know, if they look suspicious, just shoot them. Yeah, stand yeah. your ground. Yeah. yeah. Crazy yeah. And I will say that, yeah, I agree with you 100% that I think Biden has navigated. I mean, you didn't say this exactly, but I think he's navigated a very, very, very rife with, um, you know, opportunities for missteps situation very adeptly. That I think comes from his age, which, yes, I just said out loud because he's experienced, experienced, experience, right, which was born in <laughs> yeah. right, not age. He's not old, by the way, he's only three years older than Trump. Um, yeah. Thank you for having those conversations with me. Also, thank you for your advocacy. I wanted to pivot really fast because I always end every podcast with what I call the rapid fire random question round. Hey, let's do it. All right. This question, the first question comes from my 14 year old son, Leo, who has has said out loud that his dream job is to be a chef. Oh, yeah. God help me. All my chef friends have told him not to, but it's fine. He wants to make me. Okay. So he asked me to ask you, if aliens came to Earth and asked you to prepare for them the perfect meal, what would it be? That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> you remember, the, I don't know if, you're, if, you're, if you remember the Twilight Zone? Of course. Yeah. There was one episode of the Twilight Zone, <laughs> and the book, but the rest of his recipe had to serve man. And the book was like, <laughs> man, but it was actually a cookbook, a recipe for people um so um maybe i'll open up that book if that's what they want i don't know that's a question what are you feeding your son jesus god um i don't know you know this is my kid though good i don't know you know i think well why are they coming here and and (laughs) what am i what am i trying to say by this it's i don't know Okay, okay, okay. What if it was your perfect idea of a meal? Would it be the, the like your, you know, the clams you and your your dad got down? Maybe you know, like I were, people ask me the question, like, what's my 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 deathbed meal? Oh, yeah. every Sunday grape. No, okay. every Sunday we gravy yeah. use tomato, but maybe sausage and all that good stuff. My dog's downstairs. Ruby. Um, and and so that's the meal that that I want on my deathbed. Um, but. I don't know. It's like maybe aliens would want that Sunday gravy. I don't know what kind of what kind of pasta you're serving with it. Because my ex's family is Italian, but like not a lot of Italian, enough Italian that they say gava deals. Okay. Yes. Gava deals. So I never knew that that was cavatelli until many many years later. Because I'm Lebanese, and we didn't have gava deals or cavatelli. We had like in you know Lebanese rice. We didn't have any of that. You probably had prosciutto that prosciutto. Yeah, exactly. With yeah. the kumbads, kumbads, or whatever they call them. Yeah, it's like the Sopranos. Yeah. Um, so what kind of pasta are you serving with your Sunday gravy? Spaghetti? Well, growing up, it wasn't pasta. It was macaroni. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of, of cavatelli are gavadels. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it could be fusilli. Maybe that's fun for them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't because like I like a stabable pasta. Whatever. Well, I'm going. Second <laughs> question. Second question. As a kid, what was your shore town? Because I was a San Diego kid. 
Oh, um, I used to go to Manasquan in Belmar. Um, young, we used to go to my uh, my cousin's um, who was married into a family had a house on Portly Beach. We used to go there too. But when I was old enough to go to the go myself, I would go to Belmar, Manasquan. It's pretty there. Yeah. Have you been to Asbury Park recently? Not recently, but I know it's 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 changed, but it's still going through changes. Um, yeah. And my brother lives in Brielle, so he. Right. I, I was there to see around Christmas Eve, but we didn't go out. We were in the house. Um, but yeah, things have changed on the Jersey Shore. You know, yeah. Asbury Park is my beach town now, but the restaurant scene in Asbury Park is legit. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, no joke. I mean, and, and Portos, well, their pizza's gotten, I don't think it's as good as it used to be, but their pizza's also no, no joke. Yeah, there's an Italian restaurant that my brother swears by. He says it's really great and it's packed. He said you can't get, even in the off season, you cannot get into it. I don't know. I don't and know. I know we we love the tomato pie on the boardwalk. So I'm not <laughs> the kids that I don't usually go fancy, but we go to the there's a. I I have a house out in Long Island, all the way on the North Fork, not not the Hamptons. I don't do the Hamptons. I'm on the mm-hmm. North Fork, so I'm I, I spend my summer out there. Yeah, I have never been to the North Fork. I've been to Fire Island, but I've been to the, and I've been to the Hamptons and I've been to Montauk, but I that's not the North Fork, right? Montauk's oh, so the fork the fork breaks splits off, and Montauk is the end of the South Fork. Okay. Orange Point is the end of the North Fork. Right. Okay. This is that the Connecticut Sound or whatever that is right there. Uh, well, we have the Sound in the Bay, so we have the Sound. Yeah. Long Island Sound. Right. Uh, yeah. To Connecticut, and then we have the Peconic Bay, uh-huh. which is between the two forks. So okay. we don't have the beautiful there, though I heard, and yeah. your wineries, like you said. Yeah, there are wineries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an agricultural area, and a lot of the agriculture going back to about thirty years ago, uh, when the first winery was planted, um, Argrave, I think, was the first winery there. And since then, there's probably 50 wineries. And I look at my backyard, I see grapes. Uh, the, yeah, it's really a good. girl's trip to me right there. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the wineries are good. Yeah. yeah. Is it like ice wine? Is it? Because no, we have no, like no, Concord no. wine, Concord grape wine here in Jersey. It's a lot of uh, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Merlot, uh, Cab, Chardonnay, um, uh, Viognier. It's a lot of different varietals. Uh, Pinot Noir doesn't go very well there, but a lot of you know Cabernet Franc probably is the is the best grape there. Mm. And the best wines are um, Macari, probably my favorite vineyard out there, uh, and then the other really great one is McCall's. Okay, uh, yeah, really high quality, really quality quality wines. In fact, the Bergen Road Macari Bergen Road won you know best in the show some major wine competitions. Yeah, they're really good. It's world class. Mm-hmm. Oh, You're going to have to add a, a vineyard to your uh, collection of... Um, Fortunately, because I hold liquor license, I can't produce wine. Oh. In, in, in New York, there's a three-tiered system. So you can either make liquor or wine, you can re- uh, wholesale it or retail it. Oh, That's it. You can't, can't, can't have two of those licenses, only one. Now, I could have it in my wife's name, I guess, or my yeah. put it in trust or something, but you know, it's... I got enough to do. No, yeah, you got Yeah, I didn't even ask you about your sauces, which I have to try. But um, uh, but, yeah, because my son wants to try those too. Um, you said fennel. It was in one of them, and he was like, "Uh, mom, I love fennel because that's my kid." All right, last question. Oh, this is a long one. I feel bad. Okay, it's not long, but okay. Is there? You know, everyone has that one story, that one restaurant story. For me, I can think of it very clearly because I was at the cup room and a guy. A very rich guy with a black Amex was um, upset about his meal and he went into the bathroom and he wiped his poop all over the walls of the bathroom. That was my yeah. crazy restaurant story. Do you have one where people are like, no way that happened? That didn't happen. You know, there's, I mean, I've been working in restaurants for 40 years and there's 
so many stories, you know, people running scams at the bar trying to steal stuff and you catch them, you, you throw them out and they start mm-hmm. giving you a hard time in front of the restaurant. Cops come, they tell them to stop and they can't keep themselves from you know, mouthing off and they get arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, you're in there all the time. A lot of people, like, they steal stuff. They think for some reason they can just, it's like restaurants, you can just steal stuff. Mm-hmm. And we like to do, if we catch you, you know, putting you silverware in your pocketbook, we just don't say anything. We just put it on the bill. Right. <laughs> like, right. yes, you wanted it, so we're going to charge you for it. <laughs> Brilliant. You still Yeah. Want it. Um, but no, it's, it's, you know, there's crazy people out there. Yeah. We had this guy pretending to be French who kept coming into the cover room and he, they gave him a a house tab and they were all friends with him. He would get the best table in the restaurant. They would bring him foie gras and caviar and all the things, Cristal. And then it ended up on the news years and years later on like one of those NBC, like primetime, Mm -hmm. whatever they're called, as this con artist who was traveling the world doing this and running up all these tabs and running off, never paying them. Yeah, we just had a guy who gave us a credit card. It didn't go through for a private party and didn't go through. We called him, called him, called him. As it turned out, he was just like, you know, his business closed and he was just scared. It's like kind of his, his last, his last, it was like, like $3,000 Billy walked out of. Crazy. Oh my gosh. I was, that's like, people are not, I hope the servers, everybody got, got their money anyway. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our, that's our fault, not their fault. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, there's, there's a, you know, it's, it's restaurant, you know, during the pandemic, it got really funny. People were just so irate about everything. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of calmed down a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get too many crazies in. When I was at American Tavern, there was more crazy stuff happening. Really? Yeah. This is where I always like, you know, you'd see people, like you'd see them like trying to work the room, like the bar, especially they try to like create a commotion and grab a pocketbook. And you'd see it happening, wow. and you'd stop them, and they're not on a tour. And it's like, I watched you do it. Huh. Yeah, um, that I, I went there, and I'm, I think is it possible it was ninety nine? It it was open. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah, so it was still a table you couldn't get. And then I remember my my now ex was like, I I tried to I called every day for like a week straight, and we finally got a table like late, late. Yeah, yeah it was our later early. That was it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's the uh, Gramercy is 30 years old this year. Because Kraft is 2030. That's, yeah, now. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I moved out of the city in 2000, so I really feel. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? 
in the Coast Guard. We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Oh, yeah, your sauces. I was curious about those. Okay, so you've got that. There's a tomato. Okay, Jersey tomato. Tomato, yeah. Which, by the way, we do have the best tomatoes. We do. Now Now it's called Colicchio Collection, and I think Colicchio, yeah, I think it's Colicchio Collection, Colicchio Kitchen. But yeah, it's Jersey tomatoes. Um, it's it's great sauce. It's yeah. Real, there's tomatoes. It's tomato, there's olive oil, salt, pepper, uh, a little, little onion, garlic, that's it. No yes. sugar. I heard you say no sugar. And as a person who has always been intimidated by make, trying to make red sauce because I'm married and a sort of Italian guy in a sort of Italian family, I I would always be scared. So I just use jarred sauce and everyone's like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, you know what? Why not? Why can't yeah, I? So this is good jarred sauce, but it's so easy to make sauce. I know, it's scary. <laughs> I can make tabbouleh and hummus. <laughs> That's good too. Yeah. <laughs> But I can't make I can't make red sauce. Actually, that you know that that food, the whole Middle Eastern thing, is is you know, having such a a moment now. Uh, food, it's 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 become the hottest thing. It's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I love those flavors. And good for you. Um, yeah, and like yeah, like that's what made my kids foodies. By the way, if you I don't know if you've been in the markets in Patterson, the little no. that's the Tals and Nori's. No, I I haven't been to Patterson. I used to date someone who lived in Patterson, right near the Warfalls, and but she was a photographer. It's probably still as I haven't seen her for, for ages. Hmm. But I that was the only time I ever went to Patterson to see her. But I haven't yeah. been there. That's where but, my dad, when he came here from, from Lebanon, that's where they moved to. That's where everybody lived, and so we would go there as kids because there are a couple Lebanese well, Middle Eastern markets there where you can get fresh pita in the bag and it's steaming still as you take it home. So good. Yeah, no, I, I haven't spent much time in that 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 area. I don't get to Jersey much anymore. I still get there. My 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 brother coaches high school at Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth High School. Oh, was at Linden for years, um, and then a couple of years back, three or four years ago, switched over to Elizabeth. And you know, we went. He graduated from Elizabeth High. Thing and right. Linden's right next door. Yeah, and there were always rivalries. Right, and um, so I I still go to to you know into Elizabeth to see a game every now and then. Yeah, you got to come in and have some Taylor ham, egg and cheese on a hard roll. Taylor ham. Taylor ham. Stop saying pork roll, and there is no such thing as Central Jersey, and is not pork roll. Um, I cut this whole interview short if you said it was pork roll. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would be betraying my people. I'm I'm a Northern Jersey girl. It's like saying I root for the Eagles. Like it's just it's exactly ham. Cherry Hill. (laughs) Tom's River. Like stop. No, it's Taylor ham. Yeah, I would. I'll die on that hill. You know, there's a piece of New Jersey that is south of the Mason-Dixon line. What? This is true. Okay. This is this is true. There's 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 some far south Jersey stuff, and and they're exactly there's expected that they. <laughs> uh, oh well, I mean, like I said, I grew up in there is flag flying Sussex <laughs> County. So um, yeah, I call it Jersey West Virginia because our Congress, our congressman up there, he flew. A Confederate flag on his house. Yeah. Really? And New Jersey. Mm-hmm. New Jersey. Oh, yeah. I would, if I, my car, now I'm not giving anybody any ideas, but if my car were to like break down in Sussex County, in certain parts of Sussex County, and I knocked on a door, there's a fair chance that that person would be wearing my skin the next day if they knew who I was. I just put it that way. You can make a lot of friends out there in Sussex County. Too. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm in Warren County now, so it's not a lot better. But I love all my people. I do love you guys, but it is very MAGA here. So it's, you know, they've accepted me. They know they know I'm safe, you know, as a Democrat. But yeah. Um, yeah. No, I would never say poor girl. God, leave your heart stop. Um, <laughs> um, really, truly, thank you. for. Oh, 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 oh. The next season of Top Chef is March? Uh, I think March, April, somewhere there. Yeah. And there's it's, we're with new Wisconsin. We're in Wisconsin. And there's a big, big change. change. Big host change. Uh, Kristen Kish is our new host, and she is fantastic. She was, she was great. She was very nervous the first day, and after that, just kind of slid into it. It was just just great. Yeah. I mean, she's like Padma. She's gorgeous, and she's incredible, and she's smart, and she's articulate, and I and I love like loved her season, and I'm so excited. Like, I think this is going to be great. In Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's some cool stuff happening there. Uh, it was fun. It was fun to do. Yeah, that's there, cool. There will be cheese. Will there's, be cheese. Yeah, then there'll definitely be beer. Cheese and, and beer. there And sausages. And oh. democracy. And in Wisconsin, there's going to be democracy and Janet Protozeowitz, because I look at to say that. There is. I got to say, Madison is pretty hip. Yeah, that's right. one of my... That's the farthest market I've ever seen. Okay. The crazy thing is you go there, and everybody goes in one direction. You can't go in two directions. You have to go in one direction. It's like going to Mecca. <laughs> you can only go in one direction. It's great. Can you imagine yeah. somebody in New Jersey trying to? Like, are you all going mad? No, you have. You had if you. This will happen if I go in the other direction. Those people will tell you to turn around, oh. and they're so polite there too. So they'll politely tell you to turn around. Oh. But it was great. It was great. Um, yeah, the market was incredible. Yeah. yeah, Madison is on my bucket list because I've been like like you, very interested, keenly interested in Wisconsin, still very interested in Wisconsin because where Wisconsin goes, America goes. I fully believe this. So I, I was like, I'm going to go to Madison in 2024. I don't have any plans to, but I'm going to make it happen because I've everyone says it's great. It's fun. It really is. You know, it's also what's cool is is you could do Chicago and Madison. Chicago is great, especially for food. Really great food. But you can do because it's only like an hour away. Yeah. Hour. Yeah, that's right. a car. Yeah, I'm going to be in Chicago in August for the DNC, so I will probably try and figure uh, that out. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've never been to Chicago either, which is crazy. My kids have been to Chicago. Their dad used to run restaurants in Chicago, and I've never been there. It was fun. Chicago was so awesome. okay. I got to see. Uh, I was in Milwaukee, and I got to see Springsteen in Chicago at Wrigley Field. So much fun. Yeah. So many boxes checked right there. Wrigley, Springsteen, like yeah, oh my God. yeah. That's yeah. No, that's. I got it. Everyone I've ever met from Chicago, I've instantly liked. So I know I'm going to like Chicago. I just. I was in Chicago. It's like everyone in the Midwest that's like creative, they end up in Chicago. Right. There's a lot of creative people, a lot of great music there. Food's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think outside of New York City, which I'm partial to, I think Chicago's probably it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I personally think it's better than San Francisco or LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much there, uh, a lot of diversity. And um, they also, if you like, like avant-garde dining, which I'm I'm not crazy about, but there's a place for it. I think. Yeah, uh, it's done better there than anywhere else. Alinea is you know, a great restaurant, and Grant has three or four restaurants, and they're all fantastic. Um, but there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I like it a lot. And you, but you can also go get you know go down over down by there and get some garden air and like you know like a <laughs> hot, what do you call it a hot beef sandwich? What's it called? Yeah, the hot, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hot you, you get to visit like the place where the bear is shot. So that's cool too. <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome and i yeah, i like the Bru- i mean not the bruins the blackhawks too so i mean yeah okay. the bruins are, uh, bruins boston, boston but i went to college in boston and i also like the bruins which is very strange because i'm a ranger I do, growing up i always liked the bruins yeah. yeah what is that all about 
Well, my brothers liked the Rangers, and so I had to be opposite. And they were Giants fans, so I was a Redskins fan. I was they, a Redskins fan too. You know what? So I liked the Lakers. Oh, but this really? is but Lakers. When I say Lakers, Lakers were magic. Jerry, Gail Goodrich, no, read that. Jerry West, Gail Goodrich, Happy Hairston, uh, Bob McAdoo, uh, Will Chamberlain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, pretty. Yeah, did you? See- they um uh, like magic and everybody. Baylor. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I stayed a Laker fan. I like the Lakers. And not the Knicks. And you still like the Redskins and not the Giants. I don't care anymore. Not the Redskins anymore. I but yeah, I, you, I, I did the same thing. My my dad liked the Giants. My sisters liked the Jets. And so I, I was like, I don't know who the Redskins are, but I like them. And so I was like, I put a Dexter Manley poster on my wall. I was probably 11, <laughs> and I was like, that's my team. And it was a why. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But then I... Like, was like, Larry Brown was playing, and linebacker Chris Hammer, or people like that, you know. Was, Redskins were good back then. Mm. and uh, But um, no, I, I, you know, I, I had a bit of a gambling habit when I was young. And when I finally stopped, I went cold turkey, like I did smoking cigarettes. And mm-hmm. I ended up that season, I kept a running tab with my bookie. I ended up winning, which is hard to do. You have to win like 70% of your bets because of the VIG. So it's, it's hard to actually put a winning season together. And I was like, you know what? Keep the money. I never bet again. And I stopped caring about football. Wow. Oh. Don't care. Wow. Yeah. That's that's, well, mean, that's quite the story, though. I watched the playoffs of the Super Bowl, but that's about it. And the only sports I really watch, I watch college basketball. Yeah. Well, I went down the fantasy football rabbit hole. And uh, and when I was pregnant with my son, I won that year. So I was. we did the draft on paper, on paper, in person. Yeah, I just, I watch college basketball a lot of it. Yeah. And high school ball too, but that's about it. Boxing a little bit. I used to spend more time with it, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it. Not Baseball, I'll watch the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and uh, football, basketball, but you know, it's, I don't watch a lot of pro basketball. If we could get Shohei's pay <laughs> to feed hungry people in this country, imagine that. <laughs> He's making so, so much money. It's, it actually boggles the mind, like how much Shohei's going to be making. It's like, where, what, how, how is this discrepancy? I don't know. I can go off all day long. But, but the owners are getting rich. It doesn't matter. It's not, whatever. This is true. Yeah. They are. Um. Well, again. But, yeah. <laughs> it's so great talking to you and um and I appreciate again everything about you but I really appreciate most of all that you're using you know your platform to be such a powerful advocate and I know you're going to revisit this too as you said um yeah yeah I just need an organization I'm 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 going to spend time there I just got to get my act together yeah well I'm sure you're busy <laughs> doing lots of things oh, covid may be a home a homebody I don't like living I don't like leaving my home I'm the same way be I yeah. don't want. I don't want to travel. I mean, I had to go to L.A. for the Emmys, and I just they hated it. I didn't want to be there. Your red jacket was nice, though. Thank you. That was. <laughs> I was. A, you know, it was very funny. I ordered that, so uh, Asia, I was uh, the Italian designer, made it for me, and I ordered it in blue. I went to their showroom, and I had had picked out a blue one, but it was double breasted, so I didn't want to double breast it. They sent my measurements to Italy. They had it made, and I I got there on Friday. I'm traveling Saturday morning. I got there on Friday. I opened the suit bag. I was like. Oh my God, this is red. And they're like, yeah. It's like, I thought I remember the blue one. And they were like, well, this is, they said, well, okay. Oh my God. We'll get you a blue tux, but we can't do like velvet. And I was like, no, I'll take it. It's great. (laughs) I would never in a million years have picked out red. 
And I loved it. It was great. It was great. And it, it certainly popped, but that's crazy. Yeah, that's it, it popped. It, popped. it was like, you know, it also, it fits so well. And it's just, but I had more men come up to me saying, oh my God, I love that jacket. I'm sure. It was, it was cool. And it, I, I could wear it every Christmas. <laughs> and Valentine's Day. Well, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day is my wife's birthday, so we don't go out and stay home. Yeah, um, but I can do that too. But <laughs> you, <laughs> you could, you can really pull, like. Never mind. My mind went. My mind goes in just wear the red coat. But my mind. Yeah, goes, yeah I can, anyway. Yeah, I, I can. I think I could rock it on on. Uh, yeah, with, with a pair of jeans in the winter. That's it'd be fine. A thousand percent. Yeah, I like it. No, it was it was it was fun. It was fun to do. No, the Emmys were fun this year. You know, it was really crazy. Where we were sitting, and I was like in eighth row, whatever, on the, on the right. And so I'm seeing the bear, all the bear people are in front of us. They win, mm-hmm. right? Right in front of them was uh, Secession. They all won. Um, John Oliver was sitting next to me. He won too. <laughs> we lost. We, we lost. <laughs> this is great. Everybody around us is winning and celebrating. Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's our turn. We're due. Like, uh, uh, no. Anyway. Uh, well, oh my God, you have to sit next to John Oliver. I could pick your brain about that all day by itself. I've known him for a while. He's, he's a good guy. He's fun. Yeah. Oh, so this, you might know, I, a friend of mine, Pete Dominic, he he, he calls himself this. I know who he is. Yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. I, I I know who he is. I don't, I, I met him somewhere, but yeah. Yeah. Good guy. You yeah. want Oliver's fluffers. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, John, John, I, I knew them all when they were all at the Daily Show. Oh, um, best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My my wife was actually on the Daily Show. Sure, no her, way. Her, 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 yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, so cool. Yeah. Who was the host when she was on? Was no, oh, yeah. he's a Jersey boy, isn't he? He is. Yeah. 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 He, he lives. He used to live in the city when he had a show. He moved. Uh, he's down that. He has a farm. He's a farm. Yeah. He takes in strays. He's an animal lover. His set. When you go to his, his set, there were all dogs there. Everyone was out to bring their dogs. Her dogs running all over the place. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. He, he and his uh, wife I think, they rescue um, animals. See, and just like just like John, you are one of those people who's n- not ladder pulling. You're not pulling. You know what I mean? You're, you're you're paying it forward, and like so many people who make it through hard work and their own obviously toiling, but like so many people just pull the ladder up, and and you don't, and John doesn't, and I think that's that's something people should lift up all the time. Well, it's kind of something that my my parents didn't. They didn't have you know we didn't come from money. My dad was a corrections officer in the county jail, and. Uh, but he came back wherever he could and took some important. So it's uh, something we all try to do. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And as the, you know, the daughter of an immigrant who pay, tried to pay it forward as much as he could, working for the government, the Department of Defense, I, I, that's built in in me too. So if ever I'm in a position in this life, father was a child. My father was a child of immigrants. My great grandfather came here. No, my grandfather came here in 1903. And I only know all this because I was on a. Uh, episode of Finding Your Roots, oh. and um, uh, he came here in 1903 when he was three years old. Uh, my grandfather and his father brought him here. His mother stayed in Italy. Father brought him here, and then there was a record of my great grandfather going back and forth five times. And they figured out. So my family comes. My father's family comes from a town called Balata, and they went to the town. They wanted me to go with them, and I couldn't go. But they went to this town. They were looking around. They looked up on this building, just walking by. And it's a small little town. They looked up and saw FS, which was his initials, FC, which his initials, and around a date 
which was around the time he was going back and forth. And they knocked on the door. And when they knocked on the door, the door opened. There were two photos that they saw that were photos that were in that they were in my grandmother's house. And they they knew they saw them from pictures and they just said, is this a Colicchio family? They said, yes. So they found them. So they figured out what he was doing. He was going back and forth, taking money back and forth to build a house. Uh, and then in 1923, he brought his wife here and they stayed here permanently. So my grandfather from the age of three was pretty much on his own here. He stayed with, with family um, and then um, met the woman who we married, who was my grandmother here, but they also came from the same town. Uh, I've heard that. Not, but they, all, right. they, all, they all were in Elizabeth. Uh, everyone, all the holidays were in Elizabeth. And so, so but yeah, so my, my father, I mean, grew up dirt poor. Um, mm-hmm. Just he was one of five and uh, um, my grandfather works in the factory, worked at Singer factory. Mm-hmm. Functions. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, one generation removed of being, you know, of, you know from Europe. So, yeah, I think, anyway, I just appreciate the idea of of, of paying it forward and, and you know, helping the, the people who are coming up behind you. I think um, we need more people out there like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that we're, I think we can move this country in the right direction with a little bit more of that. And I think we're going to oh. Be- oh. I'm such an optimist, I really am. But and I, well, I think we're going to be okay. We'll see. I, yeah, we'll I'm see. excited about that. I'm excited about that. We keep talking. I'm excited about the bench that we have coming up. What about what? I'm excited about the bench that we have coming up. The sort of you know, in the next few years between Gavin Newsom and oh. and and um, uh, Michigan uh, Whitmer um, Whitman. Yeah, and uh, Whitman. Yes, I'm sorry, and uh, and and um. Russ, uh, not Russ, uh, Westmore, mm-hmm. uh, Mar- Maryland, yeah. Um, uh, there's Katie there's Porter. a Katie Porter, Pete Buttigieg. There's a bunch of young people who are are, are gonna gonna be there. I think it'll be strong next twenty years. I feel the same exact way, and I feel like Biden is the bridge. That Biden Harris is the bridge between sort of the old guard, the old school and the, and and the future and I think the young that the young generations obviously should be they should be taking he's up here our governor of Pennsylvania. Oh, he's amazing. What he did when that bridge collapsed and they brought in the Indianapolis 500 like air dryer thing like built no time. Nothing. Yep. Yep. They needed that in Buffalo for that football game. But yeah, no, he's amazing. The Kevin Newsom is amazing. I mean there is there's tons and tons of talent and I think with with the and I know we're in a way over here, but like with Nancy Pelosi and people like her who are trusted leaders who know what to do, kind of being the shepherds and can bring them into, bring us all into the future, I think we'll be set up for a longevity of success. I said, I think, N- 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 I spent a lot of time with Nancy. She's she's fantastic. She did something. Everybody's like, oh, she's crooked. She this. So I was in her office one day and we were, she agreed to do a fundraiser for food policy action in San Francisco. So she agreed to do it. Now I was there in her office talking about something else. And towards the end, I said, um, do you want to talk about the, the, the event in San Francisco? She goes, I can't talk about that. So what do you mean? She goes, in my office, I can't talk about that. Hmm? We can go outside this building and I can talk <laughs> about it. In my office, that is not official work. I can't talk about that. I was mm-hmm. like, oh. I said, and I was like, who would know? She said, I would. Yep. 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 So I, I, I know what she's about. She's, yeah. she's great. She, yeah. 
the goat, the best ever. I was very lucky to have met her for one brief yeah. second, and um, and I was in awe. She's she's the best ever, and and that's the that's the way you do it. You know, you're supposed to keep those things separate. Believe it or not, that's yeah, no, there's the way that things are done, and this is there's ethics we're you know regarding stuff, but I can't I can't talk about that. Yeah, I love it. And instead, we have now somebody who says he he should have total and complete immunity from all things always like. <laughs> That's, that's, such, that's such an argument. I, I you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, we've, we've come all the way to I can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. We've come all the way. Years ago, I was at my first Super Bowl. It was in Minneapolis. It was freezing out. The Redskins were playing Buffalo. Redskins won, by the way. Um, I'm walking into the Super Bowl and Trump is in front of me. He was getting booed. People were just like, now, F you, like this is when he, he was going through the divorce and using the tabloids. I mean, yeah. it's like, it was just, I was like, wow, this, people really hate this guy. <laughs> we didn't move that. <laughs> right? yeah, it, was, it was wild. Yeah. But like growing up here, I mean, I think we always knew here. He was, yeah. You're a con artist. Listen, I know a lot of the, you know, the big real estate families in New York and they think it's a joke. Yeah. I don't think it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right, yeah. we can go a whole lot. Well, yeah, I kept you <laughs> so long. Um, thank you again, and like, sure. really, honestly, thank you for your advocacy, and 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 thank you for everything that you do, and just uh, keeping it real, and we uh, just and being, you know, who you are, and doing what you do, and and I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. <laughs> Jersey strong. Jersey strong. Uh, we're gonna bring it home in 24. Uh, along. Okay. Take care. All right, bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Are You Effing Kidding Me? is a production of the Political Voices Network. Please visit us at politicalvoicesnetwork.com. Politicalvoicesnetwork.com.